Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, excuse me, what's today's Chef Special? Welcome to Chef Special, the podcast that brings you the world of food and beverage with facts and information that challenge the status quo. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Honeywell, with Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network, your best food destination choice. Today, I'm very honored to have a very special guest today uh, join me on the show. Uh, he's got an amazing background, great history, deep, deep knowledge of the subject matter we're going to be discussing, and very happy to have him on the show. Tony Gemignani is the chef and owner of 28 Concepts in Northern California and Las Vegas, and is a 13-time world pizza champion, two-time Food Network gold medalist, Guinness World Record holder, master instructor, and author. He's the first and only triple crown winner for baking at the International Pizza Championships in Lecce, Italy, and his most prestigious title to date, the 2007 World Champion Pizza Maker at the World Pizza Cup in Naples, Italy, where he was the first American and non-Neapolitan victor. In 2016, Tony became the first American to win first place in the Pizza Impala division at the World Pizza Championships in Parma, Italy. Tony is president of the World Pizza Champions, and an official U.S. Ambassador of Neapolitan Pizza by the City of Naples, a prestigious title only given to three people in the entire world. He is also the first master instructor in the United States from Sciola Italiana Pizzioli, and is the proprietor of the International School of Pizza, where he certifies chefs from around the world. Hey, Tony, how are you today? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so happy to have you. Honored is a better word for it uh, to be on the show, and, and thank you for taking time. Thanks for having me. You've got such a huge experience, super deep experience. Uh, we were talking earlier and, you know, I've been in the baking industry and pastry for so many years and going back over your pizza Bible, which we'll get into in a little bit, it just kind of blew me away on, on how much information you have for uh, bakers and, and pastry cooks, not just pizza. It, it was, I'm sitting there looking at it like I'm back in class. So let's talk about your journey in the pizza industry. Uh, maybe uh, where you start out and, you know, what drew you into the industry? You know, I was, I was turning, I was 17 getting out of high school. I had no clue what I was going to do. A lot of my friends uh, graduated and went off to college. And uh, I was kind of in my hometown with my girlfriend. Was going to maybe going to go to city college. Wasn't, was going to be a photographer. I was thinking about maybe getting into fashion. I, I, I there's kind of all these different things going through your head, especially when you graduate from high school, because a lot of people don't know what they're doing. And then my brother had the idea of opening up a pizzeria. He, he worked at a few when he was younger. And uh, my parents and grandparents uh, helped him uh, fund it, and he opened one up. And during that summer, when I graduated, it was being built. It was I grew up in Fremont, and uh, that pizzeria was in Castro Valley. It was called Paisanos, and mm -hmm. he asked, "Hey, do you want to do this with me?" And uh, you know, I said, "I got nothing else to do." <laughs> so I said, "Sure." <laughs> so I um, and give then, me a job. Oh, you said, "Give me a job." <laughs> <laughs> give me a job, please. Uh, I need it. But no, when it when it came to it, uh, and I and I and I. You know, I made pizza. You know, I fell in love with it. It, it was it was right there in front of my face. And uh, you know, you're, you're going through life searching for things, and uh, all of a sudden, I, I'm turning 18. Paisanos opens right after I turn 18, right after the summer. And uh, yeah, I, it was it was it was pretty awesome. It was right there, and I and I fell in love with it. At that restaurant, did they do a lot of different types of pizzas that pulled from your Italian heritage? You know. I, it's a good question. A lot of people say, you know, you went from Paisanos and working for your brother to this, 
you know, author and multi-unit operator, you know, what, where, how did it all begin? There was a good foundation at Paisano's. You know, we, we had great pizza. It, I would say it's very, it was very American, Americanized pizza. It was a little bit of a thick crust, uh, typical American toppings, like, you know, from your pepperoni to your veggies, to your all meats, your ham and pineapples. But, you know, from when I started to travel and through the years I started winning competitions, you, you saw that menu grow quite a bit. You, you saw me starting to do like, you know, um, doing a uh, old dough method with dough. And then you kind of saw me kind of experimenting with starters uh, right before I left. You saw, you know, me dabbing in like New York style and, and, and certain styles. And a lot of that, you know, from what we started in 1991, to when I left, it, it did progress, it did get better, but for what I did after I left, it, it, it really catapulted quite a bit. Um, yeah, there was a lot of things that I learned over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, traveling, going to school in Northern Italy uh, for pizza and getting certified, I, I really kind of brought that all into what Tony's Pizza Napolitana and the International School of Pizza is today. Got you. You know, it's interesting. So that that leads me to ask you, you went to Italy to study um, and to just kind of expand your horizons a bit. Do you speak Italian? Did you speak at home when you were a kid? Uh, my grandfather spoke it. Uh, there was farmers. We, we had about 35 acres. We lived with our grandpa. Uh, and um, around us were a lot of Italian farmers in Fremont. There was well over 100 acres around us. So he would speak to the other farmers in Italian. I I didn't speak it. My, my mother actually spoke fluent uh, Spanish and, and uh, we, we also are Portuguese too. So there was a Portuguese side that spoke Portuguese and then you had mm-hmm. Spanish and then you had uh, Italian. My mom was uh, made fun of when she was in school when she was younger and, and my, my parents wanted, didn't want that to happen to me. So it, mm-hmm. I hated it because I'm like, ah, why didn't, why didn't I learn Italian and, yeah. and or Portuguese and or Spanish? So, it's pretty broken. Um, you know, I've gone to Italy probably about 30 times now, uh, just from competitions or demos or, and mm. so I've, I've learned it. My wife's Sicilian as well. Wow. So she speaks it better than I do. I understand it better than speaking it, but, uh, mm. yeah, it's, it's almost a given now that I've gone there so many times. I do speak it a little. Yeah. You know, I don't want to slow down this momentum, but I have to ask you, uh, Portuguese who, who I'm half Portuguese too. My mom spoke Portuguese, uh, in fact, I interviewed a, um, a chef from, from Madeira Island. But what side of your family is Portuguese? The Azores and uh, my, dad's, uh, my dad's side is part Portuguese and Italian. Nice. My, there was a big uh, family that uh, settled in San Jose, California. Mm-hmm. And they were strawberry uh, farmers uh, right where Winchester Mystery House was. They had a store. My, my uncle's name was Charlie Rose. He was a uh, the mayor of Campbell, and he was also oh. uh, he was also pretty famous in the baseball world. That's for sure. He was, uh, he was one of the last guys to hand stitch uh, mitts for ball players. Uh, it, it's a lost art. Uh, he passed, but mm-hmm. Johnny Bench and guys like Joe Morgan, guys would go to him, and he would hand stitch him. He's also a professional. Um, he, he actually uh, refereed boxing. So wow. on the side of the Portuguese side, yeah. Hmm. The, Came from the Azores. They're farmers. They also had a little market, a food market, in uh, San Jose and Campbell. And uh, yeah, so a lot of uh, food and and uh, a lot of fun when it comes to my family heritage. So yeah, yeah. I, 
yeah, blue those, collar, that's- hard, hard workers. And, uh, and I really had people say, Hey, where'd you get your work ethic from? And that was seeing my grandpa farm. That was being around farmers. That was, you know, being around that. And that, that's, that's a lot of where, where, where I come from. Well, that's amazing. You know, I, uh, you have a, a wonderful mix, I think. I love the Italian, the Portuguese, and, and gosh, maybe hopefully that helped you. It did. It did. Uh, you know, being around, people ask me, you know, your, your palate, your taste of your kitchen, you know, where, where did that come from? You know, where, where did this, and it, it was really easy. You know, um, it was funny. It's like when you're a kid, you don't think about it, but you're seeing your grandpa, you know, eat some strong cheese with figs, you know, out on the farm and maybe a drizzle of balsamic. And you kind of watch this growing up and you didn't really get it or really like it. And all of a sudden you're looking at combinations in front of you and you're thinking like, I would, you know, fried kale and agave nectar and this kind of go together and you're looking Mm. at it. So for me, I was around produce nectarines and we had, I mean, we had everything. We had cherries, Mm. apricots, fava beans. I mean, I farmed that the, my whole life growing up until I was 18, but did we have oranges and peaches and did we have, you know, did we, did we have go out and get eggs and we have Clydesdales. I mean, like, I mean, like oh. when it came to it, you know, we had everything. We had olives and, and things I loved and things I didn't love. And then you grow mm-hmm. up and you're loving everything you hated as a kid. And you're like, ah, oh, that's why I had it. And, you know, we, we really had everything um, mm-hmm. on that farm. So I was around it all the time. And, and when I had to go get ingredients for my mom, I ran outside and grabbed her basil, grabbed her tomatoes or squash or a cantaloupe. You know, it was just something always growing there. So it's great. Great to grow up with it. It's interesting. I was reading, I think about one of your competitions, they, you couldn't use your typical ingredients. So you, you looked over and you had, you grabbed, I think some figs, you grabbed some things because of your background and your knowledge of, of foods from the farm, you just grabbed the end up winning, right? Yeah, you know, it was the second competition on the Food Network. The first one was uh, Pizza Champions. Uh, it's actually Pizza Battle, where it was the acrobatic competition. Then the second one, they brought it to a higher level. They brought the Guinness Book of World Records in. Ooh. They brought uh, a competition for food in, in my category. So mm-hmm. here it was, four states against each other. You had to make a pizza within uh, 10 uh, minutes. And you, had a, you couldn't use the top 10 ingredients uh, that were on a pizza. So you couldn't use pepperoni or bell peppers or chicken there was all these ingredients you couldn't use but you had to make a pizza that had three or more ingredients cheese didn't matter so when it came to the cheese profile i, I used my mozzarella as a base gorgonzola asiago and shaved parmigiano reggiano but when when it came to the three ingredients I, I was thinking you know here i was looking at these judges and you know you need to be a bit creative evelyn sloman who wrote one of the first books about pizza uh, was one of the judges. Big Dave was another judge at the time. So I'm looking at these judges like, yeah, we have to do something, you know, creative. So figs, I grabbed some fig jam, uh, which was a Croatian Dalmatia fig, mm-hmm. uh, used balsamic reduction. I also used prosciutto uh, de Parma, which was uh, sliced in. And I made a pizza called the Calitalia. It was basically a, uh, a California almost pizza, but with a twist on Italian. I, I did a 48 hour rise. I blended two doughs together. Uh, typically back in the day, you would never blend an American dough with an Italian dough, a double zero flour. So I mm. blended two doughs together and, and, and it came out great. It's one of my best sellers. Still on, <laughs> it's still on my menu. And thank God it was actually fig jam because it wasn't available. Fresh figs weren't available at that time when we were in Minnesota and we competed. So when it came to that, that pizza's on the menu year round. I still use Dalmatia fig on that pizza. 
Uh, I import and we either reduce the balsamic or we bring a balsamic glaze from Italy. Mm. So depending on the location, yeah, that pizza is available at almost every single location. It's probably the top three pizzas on our menu. Now, do you promote it on the menu uh, award winning yeah. pizza? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. Food Network gold medal. Yeah. Wow. And that, that was, it was great. That was, uh, that was a big moment for me because everyone knew me as this pizza acrobat that did tricks to pizza. And yeah. Yeah. your listeners are like, what does that mean? Maybe it's, just, it's like a Harlem Globeshotter with pizza. You know, we're going around the shoulders, on the back, through the legs, you know, two at a time. So mm-hmm. when you think of a Harlem Globetrotter, what they do with the basketball, it's very much what we do with the pizza. So here I was Definitely. a young guy in my career and the Food Network came around. I was still in it. And a lot of competitors weren't in it. And, and it started becoming mainstream. And all of a sudden they had their competitions and they had pizza competitions. So I was lucky enough to win the first two gold medals on their first two competitions back in the day. Mm-hmm. But the food part of it, that was my first book I wrote. That pizza was in it. It was in 2005, and at that moment, there was a transition for me from going to, hey, I'm not going to be this hotshot pizza acrobat anymore. I, I really want people to know me for food, and uh, that win was was a pinnacle moment in my career that uh, I, I really needed that win, and it, and it happened. So it was a it was a big moment to say, oh, wow, he can cook. <laughs> so he can make a, pizza. Oh, yeah, he, he makes pizza. He makes pizza. So he's not, <laughs> you know, so like, so that was, uh, you know, I had a, it was hard. It's hard when you're in a, uh, when people know you, the media knows you as a certain type of chef or cook or, mm-hmm. or whatever. You're some, uh, you know, fun kind of guy tossing pizzas that to, to get the respect in another area in your career was, was pretty hard to, get that out of the writer's minds, the bloggers, and say, wow, this guy can really cook. It's not just everyone's coming in to see him toss a pizza, so. Yeah, it's like an actor that gets known for one role for 10 years on a, maybe on a series, and then they go into a different form of acting and go, wait, 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 that. Totally, it's like a comedian, uh, yeah, you know, kind of a comedian that all of a sudden becomes an actor. Like, no way, Tom Hanks can't be a, you know, and after it all of a sudden, you know, he, he so very much like that in a way. Well, you know, the pizza throwing, I think that's uh, years ago, I, I, I watched you on different shows. I saw the Har- Harlem Globetrotter, um, I think, a video on that, too. And, and that was amazing how you did that. And they were blown away watching you. How many pizza competitions have you won for just making pizza? Not the throws, but the, the pizza making. Um, I believe I won five. Uh, I'm a 13 time now. I won, the recent one was in Portugal, actually. I went to oh. Portugal. They had the uh, Pizza All-Stars. It was 10 countries. You were chosen from each country, and you went against the best in the world. Mm-hmm. That one, I, I won a championship. I won in 07. The first, the first big one was in 07 in Naples at the World Pizza Cup, which I won for Best Margarita in, That's amazing. Uh, in that competition. I won a couple Roman divisions. Uh, Pizza and Pala, I won in both the North and the South, two, two world championships. And I won in Vegas. Uh, it was the best of the best. Uh, I won that as well in a competition that was against about five, five countries. Uh, so, um, yeah, I've, I've won a lot of competitions cooking, but I've lost a lot, too. A lot of, a lot of people say, oh, he always wins or it's, you know, it's what he always does. Nah, actually, I, I, I've kind of worked my way uh, through competitions. I mm-hmm. still compete, um, and I'm still in other categories I'd like to win in, so... I have lost probably more than I've won. So a lot of people think I just win all the time. I, I don't actually. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. Those are huge competitions. I wish I was in Portugal when you had that competition. I was there last year, Lisboa, and then over to Madeira. It would have, 
if I wish I knew you back then, that would have been really fun to, to be a part of. It was pretty awesome. It was in Porto and it was like, they, they rolled out the red carpet. I, I've never been to a competition where everything was, everything was paid for. All your meals were taken care of. Um, mm. Antonio Mazzaro uh, was the, was the head of that. And you had to pair a, a wine to a pizza and then a port to a pizza. So there was two categories and my Porto, uh, the, the pizza with the port one uh, with that. It was just pretty awesome. Yeah. It's beautiful yeah. country. First yeah, time I've been too, actually. I, I'm, I'm in and I, I can't wait to go back. Yeah. The pizza, the pizza. <laughs> of course, the pizza was amazing, but the people are amazing too in, in Portugal. And your Portuguese side, so. they probably could sense that you were Portuguese too. So they took you as family. I made them know. I made sure everyone knew I was. <laughs> ah, see, yeah, I would. I did too when I was there. They looked at me. Then where's your Portuguese? And I, my yeah. my wife, she's from Brazil, and, and I said, okay, tell them. Okay, so an American with a you know an Italian Portuguese background goes to to Italy. How do they look at you when you first enter the big world competitions? Did they treat you you know with any differently because you weren't Italian? Because they're so you know. Um, I think they would be very protective of the title if if you if the Italians usually win. Yeah, they um, they were they were really uh, well. When you go to Italy and compete in general, they were um, they were pretty mad at the time. I mean, there, was there a respect back then in '07? There, there was not, especially in Naples. Remember, when you're in Naples, it's it's different than even being in Rome or in Milano or any of the other areas. Um, when you think of uh, the competition is in general, I mean, they, that that pizza started in, in Naples. So just being in Napoli. It was just a different, different feel. Uh, so for me to win in Naples at the beginning, uh, even if me winning on the Food Network and all that in the U.S., it, it meant nothing. So, you know, did they distract you? Did they talk trash to you? Did they disrespect you? Yeah, all of the above. Uh, did they uh, look at you in a certain way? Did they try to screw with you mentally? Uh, yeah, guys did. Um wow. That's amazing. So there's kind of, it's hot. It's, there's no air conditioning. I mean, it's nine ovens going on in an open tent in Naples in June. It's 105 degrees inside the tent. It feels like 120 degrees. Your, your dough is soft. It's blowing up on you. You're Jeez. working an oven you've never worked on before. The oven's 900 degrees. You got to get it out in under 90 seconds. So you have all these elements of Kind of everything's against you, and then you got to present it from a, in front of Neapolitan judges, which already hate you as it is. <laughs> they, they don't want to like it, but they <laughs> they have to kind of like it. So there was there was a lot of politics involved. Like I wasn't connected with um, flour companies back then, or, mm -hmm. or mixers, or tomatoes. I mean, there's a lot of politics in pizza. It mm -hmm. sounds weird. It's like any competition. Um, so back then. When I won uh, and I started my school and I came back to the U.S., I wasn't tied with really too many uh, companies yet in, in, in Italy. So mm -hmm. I kind of did it on my own in a weird way or, or, or it was just different. I, it wasn't like it, it's I don't want to get into too much detail, but it, there's there's a lot of it's, it kind of goes deep and, and it's deep rooted. So uh Mm -hmm. I was lucky to get it. I, I, it was pretty awesome. It was uh, unexpected and uh, it was pretty much the highlight of my entire career. Uh, at that time when I won in Naples, it was probably about a couple thousand people in this arena when they called my name and, and there were uh, police that came. Uh, they kind of stood around our table that had uh, a bit of the U S and Canada at it. Mm. Uh, people there. So 
when when I won, it was a bit surreal because I couldn't really uh, get too excited because uh, you know in Naples you can get shot or stabbed pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, there's still a lot of mob there, and uh, uh, so it was a it was an unkind <laughs> welcoming. That was, is, you weren't too happy that I won. <laughs> well, you know that that just means that your pizza was really good because while they're they're tasting it. They're going, huh, huh. They're probably fighting it, you know, but they have, at least they're honest inside. And as far as, you know, like you said, you didn't have relationships with the flower companies or, you know, the people from other companies from Italy. It's, it's very, uh, you know, the, the other pizza champions that are competing against you, you know, they probably do have uh, relationships with say a flower company. And there's a lot of pressure on those judges. You know, they're using they're, my they're flower, right. you know, yeah, and come right. on. And when you when it came to it, so we, we stayed at the tennis hotel. It was called the Tennis Hotel. We were really on the hmm. hotel. Mm-hmm. We went there. I was with some Americans, uh, Manzo, Sobalski. I'm saying last names, but these guys are kind of big in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Palomino was there with his dad. So there was some people there from Canada, and then we met some Irish competitors there uh, as mm-hmm. well. And we're kind of staying there and everybody's going to make dough. They ended up getting us flour. We used San Felice flour. Uh, at the time, there were Caputo and San Felice, those were the two number one flours in, in, for ne- Neapolitan pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, San Felice was more uh, doing this competition. So, of course, I used San Felice flour in this competition. They dropped it off at the hotel. All the Americans and international guys said, hey, we're going to be a bottled water at the store down, down, you know, the street or whatever, uh, you want to come? I say, you know what? I'll, I'll catch up because the water, when you tasted the water in this hotel, it has a, it had a sulfur flavor to it. Mm. it. It was what the, it was basically the opposite of what you do in baking. If anyone tasted this flour, uh, this water, and you, 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 you just tried it, you'd be like, Oh, this doesn't taste right. This tastes mm-hmm. terrible. I'm going to make my dough. I'm going to use bottled water. Well, everyone did do that. Um, I didn't. I actually use the water out of the hotel because for me in Naples, these guys don't have, you know, reverse osmosis systems, water purifiers. These guys are using Neapolitan water. It was okay to drink, like meaning it was safe to drink. It just had an odd flavor to it that I, it was, was, wasn't natural to me, but it was definitely natural to the people there in, in Napoli. So Mm -hmm. I went the reverse of whatever I do. And I actually use that water. And when people tasted that, pizza hopefully those neapolitan judges said huh this you know tastes yeah. like naples this is like so, home uh, yeah, exactly and, <laughs> you're and, uh, you're very sneaky tony because that <laughs> makes a you know the water is so important you know to think it is i mean i mean oh yeah the hydration I, I had that water anywhere i'd be on that nah, nah, nah. i'm teaching a class I say, okay students try this water taste smell you know the clarity of it you you know, and, and that's what three things that you look at when it comes to water. And if you smell it, you're like, hmm, this smells kind of funky a little bit. But you mm-hmm. taste it, you're like, huh, that, that tastes a little off. But mm-hmm. you know what? I used it and it, it won. You know, there are certain things like San Marzano's. Uh, a lot of guys, I looked at their uh, mise en place when I went around. I looked mm-hmm. at their bowls. They had tomato sauce in it. It was a lot of seeds in their sauce. I took seeds out of my sauce. Uh, there was almost no seeds in my sauce. Because so- seeds are bitter. Uh, guy, some people didn't take time on their pizzas. It, typical Neapolitan pizza is a kind of a somewhat of a sloppy, almost what you'd say, uh, artisan pizza that you don't really place the basil in certain areas and you're not taking time putting, you know, t- cheese in certain areas. You kind of just throw it on, slide it on your peel, put it mm-hmm. in your oven and cook it. I, I took a little bit of time 
Um, I finished my dough with salt. I didn't use uh, Parmigiano Reggiano or Pecorino Romano or anything on, on that pizza to salt mm-hmm. it up. I, I just used sea salt and my dough was in a wood box, um, mm. little wood container. Uh, the dough was at room temperature going in the oven. Bringing your dough up to room temperature is, is important. Not putting cold dough in a hot oven is, is, is kind of like when you see a lot of guys Instagramming right now and they say, what do you think of these blisters? And it's like, okay, you put cold dough in a hot oven and you, 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 you know, you got blisters from that. Uh, you know, you, you got, you achieved leoparding, but I don't want to achieve leoparding from cold dough. I want to achieve leoparding from old dough and I want to achieve leoparding from room temperature dough, if you can even do that. And, mm-hmm. and I, I showed them that I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I even had a guy uh, behind me, Ernesto Cacciali. He was uh, uh, at the time a famous pizzaiolo, one of the most famous actually in Spacanopoli in Naples. And he actually went to the judges and said he did an old technique. He let his dough rise in wood, uh, and he spoke behind me and told the judges, like, hey, oh my gosh. I, I kind of knows what he's doing. Because the lady said, well, how, how long did you mature this dough for? That was one of the judges. I said, it's, it's, you know, almost 48 hours. And how did your dough come out like that? And I said, because I let it rise in steel. I moved it to wood. And so she, she questioned everything I did, one of the judges. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, how much sugar did you put in your dough? I said, I didn't put any you know, zucchero on my dough. I didn't, I didn't, you know, and she's saying, oh, how did you make your dough? And how much oil did you put in your dough? You don't put oil in your dough. I finished it with oil. And she just kept on questioning, question, question me. And then he kind of went up and said, hey, he, he did do it that long. He did this. And this is the method he did. It's to let you know. And then they shut up. <laughs> when he, now, he now was that, Tony, was, I'm sorry, was that before they, they, they picked you? She was drill, no, drilling this you? Is, uh, this is when you present your pizza before you even let them try it. Okay, you gotcha. it in front of them. And uh-huh. they say, oh, so they, they, they like to say, so how, tell us what's in your dough. I, you know, it's one kilo of flour, you know, one, you know, 1.8 kilograms of, of flour, one kilo of water. You, know, you have to go into grams and kilos. If you say mm-hmm. ounces or pounds, they'll say, what? We don't know what that means. What about uh, teaspoons and uh, cups? Come on, man. Yeah, exactly. They'll even be more like, like, what the, who's this guy? Get him uh, out. And then you got to go into uh, the maturation of your dough. They may say, what's the W of your dough? And you'll say, you know, 220, 240, which, which is kind of semi-high. And then when did you mature? They go into technical things that they want you to slip up or screw up at. Wow. You know, what pizza do you make? I made the margarita. Oh, what mo- mozzarella di bufala? No, mozzarella fiordalate. They said, no, no, it should be bufala. And you'll say, no, on a margarita, it's fiordalate. On a margarita extra, it's mozzarella di bufala. And then they'll call a head judge saying, this is, is this a margarita? And kind of make you look like Wow, they made funny. you work for this thing. Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll just say that. It, it literally, literally, I've said this a lot on interviews. And, I, and then the head judge will be like, what? It's a margarita, mozzarella fiordalate. So that's what I said. Oh, they'll be oh, okay. Just oh my gosh. They were they trying to trip you up the whole way through. Uh, they they huh. did quite a bit, uh, actually. And, they, and huh. judges do that. I mean, I've judged in France. I've judged in Italy a lot. And mm-hmm. you, do have, uh, you do have competitors that lie a lot. And you'll say, yeah, I got a W. I have a low-protein dough, and I made my dough seven days ago. You'll be like, seven days? This dough would never be able to look like this. That's, and they want you to mess up. And, 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 and guys do, cause they think like, Oh, if I, if I say I have 85% hydration, I made my dough really, it's really, really, really old. Then the judges will love it. But if you know anything about dough and the type of flour you use, you'll know that that's impossible for, you know, for what he's saying right now. So, so yeah, guys do lie. <laughs> like competitors lie. So, like, wow. so they lie to win. I tell you what, but that, what that to me, you know, it's interesting. I want to ask you about your competitions in general, but, 
that is to me like the pinnacle of a competition with the coolest story uh, behind it. So I don't even know if we want to continue on the competition conversation. No, that was good. I mean, like just funny things like, you know, competing in Porto, uh, in Portugal, mm-hmm. you know, a couple things, kind of the same thing. It's funny. It's I'm, I'm doing this um, pizza that has chorizo and uh, St. George, like uh, cheese and, and uh, port wine reduction. I'm blending, you know, a wine reduction with a uh, crema and I'm thinking, okay, how, how can I make this? And, you know, I'm using, I'm trying it out and I'm making, I'm using, uh, I'm at the restaurant before I go to, to the competition and mm-hmm. I'm blending this port reduction with mayonnaise and, Interesting. Um, you know, and I'm like, you know, it works and, and I'm using Croft 20 year old port and, you know, and, and I'm smoking, uh, Portuguese floor to sell, uh, and I'm using, uh, these wine chips, all this stuff. I'm doing all this, <laughs> this wine wood and all this stuff. So I'm working on this pizza and I'm hoping it'll, it'll kill it. And, and I'm putting Induya on it and microgreens. So I'm at the airport and I forget the damn mayonnaise oh, <laughs> and I'm no. with my wife and I said, huh, let's grab a bunch of mayonnaise. I wanted to, you know, we're running. Yeah. To the, so I, I asked a lady for mayonnaise. She gives me these mayonnaise packets. So here we are trying to get on the plane with mayonnaise packets and stuff. And, and it, it's, it's kind of a joke. So we, we get the Porto, we get on and, and um, we're at this pizzeria and everyone's getting ready. And I say, you know, what? I got to go down to the store and buy some things. And I'm thinking, you know, and they're okay. Well, we're gonna have dinner when you come back. So I go and I and I look for mayonnaise in Portugal, and there's like five different mayonnaise. It's almost like a mayonnaise aisle, like all oh this mayonnaise everywhere. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. So I grab some mayonnaise there. I come back, and uh, right there we have dinner. It's bacala, like baked in may- mayonnaise, hmm. and with like a dollop of mayonnaise on top. And I'm saying. That's weird. Then the next like morning, there's something with mayonnaise and tomatoes and mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is everywhere. So I'm laughing at myself saying, if I win with mayonnaise on this pizza, <laughs> best food's mayo, I'm going to like die. I'm like, so like, so there's a secret ingredient. Um, there's two secret ingredients that I've used to win. Uh, one is mayonnaise that work. And the judges came to me in Porto and said, there's something about your pizza that tastes like, you know, Porto. And I said, well, you know, I'm thinking to myself, it's a mayonnaise. But, uh, you know, it, it's part of it, of course, was the uh, cheese that I use and, the, you know, the sea salt and there's other things. But I, it was really part of the mayonnaise. And there's another competition that I learned in Italy. Um, when I competed, I won a competition that was big. And I learned this from an Italian guy named George Jove. And he says, you know what? Just get Philadelphia cream cheese and put it on your pizza. Mm-hmm. And he said, I said, really? He's like, yeah, you'll see it everywhere. And, 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 and what do you know? Whenever you go to a, a gas station, a supermarket, wherever you go to in Italy, Philadelphia cream cheese is, is, is all over the place. Hmm. So instead of doing like a mascarpone, ricotta, dollops, you're, after, you're blending some ricotta and, 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 and Philadelphia cream cheese like together. Mm-hmm. You're whipping it, putting it in a pastry bag, and you're shooting dollops on it. I've won two world championships, Philadelphia <laughs> cream cheese and best foods made. <laughs> no, but wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. So on the, on the, uh, the uh, cream cheese, did you, was that a 50-50 mix with ricotta or did yeah, you? Yeah, I blended it together so it kind of came out smooth a little bit. Uh, so you, you know, I whipped it with the whisk. I blended as much as I could. It, it mm-hmm. wasn't super cold. 
and they're able to kind of put dolls on it. And man, they, they ate it up. Like it was like, oh, was, you know, and I'm thinking like, God, I'm going to win with Philadelphia cream cheese right now. Like, I mean, it's just kind of a joke, but it's always an inside thing. I, I wrote about it in a new book that I'm, uh, I'm trying to come out with. It's my fourth uh-huh. book. It's, it's kind of an autobiography that I want to come out with. And, and those two stories are kind of in that. So, yeah. Uh, I can't wait for that book. So looking back, so, so far we've got the sulfur water in Italy. We've got the mayonnaise in Portugal. Then we have the ricotta and the uh, uh, it was in the north in the Roman division. It was in the ah, yeah, yeah. very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Now, in the competitions, Tony, do you right now? If you were to say, okay, I can only pick a throwing or a uh, you know a, a pizza making, which one would you leave? Where Where are you now in your in your head? Pizza making. Everything's pizza making. I, I don't throw anymore. I mean, people ask me to throw. Like I'll do the Giants dugout on top of them or. If the Harlem Globetrotters come in, they always want me to kind of do something with them. So, you know, I, I do do that. I'm, I'm not anywhere what I was back in the day. I, 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 was, I, was, I was pretty good when I, back in the day. But now it's like I have fun with it, and I do stuff for kids or Italian festivals that are local. But it's all about the cooking now. I mean, I still compete in cooking cap competitions that I, I enjoy. And you're always – there's this competitiveness that I have in me. A lot of it, I think, comes from my dad. He was a soccer coach. He was my soccer coach. Uh, you know, you, you always wanted to win, find a way to be better. Uh, you know, you played on fields you weren't used to, it may have been wet out there. Or just, you know, there's elements of, of competition, um, especially organized team, organized sports that very much like a restaurant is if you're co- competing by yourself, that's one thing. But when you're, when you have a team and it's from the bartender to the bar back to the server and runner and expediter you know, to your pizzaiolo cooking or your saute line, it's a team effort. And, you know, when it comes to restaurants, it's every night it's a game and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. So when it comes to that, there's this competitive side that you always want to win individually, but at the same time, teaching, grooming uh, employees or or friends in, in the world of the restaurant world is something also that I enjoy. So. Yeah, and keeping the the uh, the consistency up and the quality. It's it's interesting. I had we were at the fancy food show. Uh, I think the last one, and a friend of mine, Chris. Uh, I mentioned to him that I was going to be uh, uh, speaking with you, and he said, "Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute." He goes, "A couple of my friends, we we after after the show, they went to one of your pizza restaurants, and he says, I didn't tell you this.' He says, but we walked out the three of us. They looked at each other. He said." that's the best pizza I've ever had. And he goes, you're talking to that guy? <laughs> that's cool. Thank you. Well, what's unique about Tony, you know, it has multiple, you know, nobody thought this concept could ever exist. You know, it, it multiple ovens, multiple styles, you know, we have up to 13 styles of pizza there. So it was kind of like you, you grew up with the guys that in the pizza world that you love New York, you hate Chicago. I'm a Chicago guy. I'm a deep dish guy. I hate New York or I make Detroit. I make St. Louis and nobody really made them all. And nobody ever attempted to make them all. So for me, when I opened up Tony's, it was really the concept that couldn't exist. And now you look at it, oh, guys are doing grandmas and Sicilians and Romans and New York and, and everything's all in one. And you see a lot of guys doing that across the U.S. right now. Even Italians attempting to make Detroit pizza and trying to locate brick cheese in Italy, which is almost impossible to find. But when it comes to uh, what we did or what I did in, in 2000 nine and opening it it was a really hard concept to open uh it it was extremely hard because there was so many parts to the equation parts to the puzzle that it it was it was actually pretty pretty hard to do he asked a question you have different ovens you know to for the different styles 
And uh, to stay true to the particular uh, style of pizza, I know you're, especially having won all these uh, competitions and after hearing you describe how you do it, you're probably really specific with the people you train and how they really get each pizza right before it goes in the oven. Yeah, I mean, you know about certain things. When you have the pizza lines, there's four pizza lines there. There's the coal fire line, which does a couple styles. There's, a, there's the slice line, the, the actual, they make our 20-inch pizzas that do strombolis and calzones. And you go to the wood fire line that does our Neapolitan and uh, California-style pizzas. And then you have the line in the back that does everything else, from Sicilian to Grandma to Detroit to Roman to mm. American to classic yeah. Italian, and the list goes on. So when it comes to that, your hands are different everywhere you go. Uh, the, the Neapolitan, opening a Neapolitan pizza is totally different than opening a sliced pizza. You're not squaring off the edge. You're, you're lighter on it. You're softer on it. The bite mm. of a Neapolitan has to be like a pillow. And then when it comes to a slice, it should be crunchy, but still slightly airy. And you go to a coal fire and there's no rim to that dough at all. And it's actually, uh, it's actually pressed out. And then you go to the other lines and they're all quite different. So yeah, when you go from line to line, is somebody specifically trained on one line and are they allowed to go to the other one? No, they're, they're not. Mm-hmm. And if they do, you have to kind of baby them a little bit and kind of show them exactly what to do. Cause I've seen pizzas go out of my place. I'm like, ah, who's helping the wood fire line right now? Somebody mm. on Slice. I can tell. Look at the rim. It's perfect. It's not artisan. <laughs> it's not. It looks like a Frisbee going out. It shouldn't look like that. So I'll say, hey, be softer on it. Be lighter on it. Uh, you know, the softer you are on the pizza, the more light and airy and, and, and softer the bite will be. And then the harder you are on the, on the dough, it's actually the crisper it'll be. So you can, you can really screw it up with your hands. You know, you have this 48 hour dough, the starter that you age perfectly, you stage your dough, you have it out and you just decompress it and screw it up with your hands. Guys can do that a lot. Well, let's talk a little bit about the pizza Bible. When I looked to the book, I looked through the different sections, you know, the ingredients and the importance of the master class list. I looked at that. I said, okay, how many of these things do I have? you know, in my house. And I know we, I have at work and then, but reading in the, the importance of the doughs and even the tomatoes, et cetera. But let's talk about the book because it is super deep. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot to that book. You know, um, I wrote that book with uh, Susie Heller and Steven uh, Siegelman were, were a big part of that book. Mm-hmm. Susie uh, was a big part of Jacques Pepin growing up and Julia Childs. And then she also actually uh, worked with Thomas Keller on almost every single one of his books. Hmm. So we actually wrote that book in Napa. I, I, I mean, we, we, we wrote that book, you know, separately and did our thing, but we would actually go test it at her house in Napa. And, and you're kind of sleeping in the room that Thomas Keller and Jacques and all these people stayed at over the years. And you're able to walk out and just be around. It was a very nature and go to the farmer's market and we would tackle uh, certain parts of um, the dough recipes and the pizza recipes out of our oven. We had everything shipped there from baking steels to GI metal peels to a wood-fired oven that got dropped off there from Munyani. Mm-hmm. And we were there weeks and weeks and weeks. We'd go back and forth and, and, and have sits and sit downs with Steve and talk about, okay, you know, let's talk about dough. Like you're saying, so, you know, I can give you this magic recipe right now and, and it's not going to be magic when you leave here because, you know, your water may be harder. You may be at a different elevation. There's not just one magic recipe. There is a, when it comes to dough, 
there is the touch and feel to it. I can give you Baker's percentages that you follow. And I can say that, hey, you know, a 68% hydration may feel tacky to you, but it doesn't feel tacky at all to me. So finding that happy medium when it came to the consumer, but also making a book where a, a professional look it up and say, wow, you know, the longer you mature your dough, the lighter it is. Uh, was I doing that wrong all those years? Yeast feeds on simple sugars. Uh, the less, you know, the older your dough is, the less that your, your body would have to digest when it comes to that. You know, using diastatic malt rather than sugar. You know, I wanted the professional look at this book and say, wow. And I wanted the consumer look at this book and say, geez, now I know what Caputo double zero is. And now I know that there's five different types of refinement on the Italian scale. I know there's double zero, zero, one, two whole meal. And I know what that means. And I want them to say, yeah, this is what grande cheese is. You know, when you wrote a book years ago, you couldn't reference things. You didn't. You couldn't just Google it or find it on Amazon. The first book I had, you know, you write a book, they send it out to three people in the U.S. and they come back and say, okay, nobody could find sea salt. We had sea salt back in the day, you couldn't find. Nobody could do this and nobody knows what grande cheese is. So why are we going to have it in a reference book if nobody can get it? Well, now you write a book and they can get Caputo or that San Marzano they heard about or maybe Super Dolce or Saporito. Uh, tomato paste or, or tomatoes that you can get. So when it came to writing a book now compared to what it was, it, you wanted to talk about ingredients we use in a restaurant that are totally different than what you'd buy in your average supermarket. And in talking to that and bringing, you know, your pizzas that you make up at home to a much higher level to, to restaurant style pizza in your home is is something that you can achieve now and and you don't have to have a 900 degree oven in your backyard you can have a 500 degree oven in the front and just understanding that having two baking steels or stones instead of one is so important and you can get a crispy bottom and it's more about finishing your pizza after the bake and not overtopping it before the bake and understanding that you know you can let your dough mature longer and maybe make it the door dough the day before so a lot of things I wanted to get in this book, I wanted to be written by a professional, a, a pizzaiolo. A lot of times you read cookbooks and you're like, okay, who the heck is this guy? You know what the heck he's talking about? Like, this is not the real deal. Like, you know, I, you hear me say that because, okay, being the real life, but then, you know, you, you kind of look at it now and you're like, okay, this is what it is. And these are the ingredients we, we, we have. And you're not finding that in Safeway or Albertsons or wherever you want to find that. And this is why your cheese is browning so bad because it has so much moisture in it and nobody knows what low moisture mozzarella is or using whole milk mozzarella is is so important about so mm -hmm. it was just important to really bring it to a level of hey this is beginners and this is what i need to make great pizza and then you kind of go into it and you go into complexity and you go into poolish and biga and pre-ferments and you know auto lee's method and you kind of mm -hmm. tap into a little bit of bulk fermentation and which one is better. You know, that book was 500 and something pages that went down to three. It was actually supposed to be 280. We wrote it at 500. It went down to, I think we got 320 pages, 318 pages out of that book. That book actually, I mean, we had starters that we did with high intensity light and it was hot heat lamps. And we did the, uh, styrofoam like coolers and we did it over all these mason jars i mean Jeez. we did all this stuff that didn't get in i mean from wow. the lava bean pizza that didn't get in to i mean like all these things and we did as much as we could you know but it's it's a special book and uh, 
I'm glad you enjoyed it. No kidding. Well, it's actually, I just checked while you were uh, uh, talking about it, 310 pages and yeah. each page is impactive. Each page has power. That's why, you know, prior to the call, I thought, okay, let me, let me brush up a little bit. And I was reading, I thought, I got to get out of this book because I have to call you to do the Zoom call because it's fascinating. <laughs> I, was, I was pulled right back into it again. Like even the discussion you mentioned on Preferments and, and Bigas and Levant's, what is your preference, um, uh, say, between a liquid like a Levant and uh, Biga or like a one or two day uh, old dough in the fridge or longer? What is your, what is I like a Polish. I mean, I use uh, mostly like Tigas and Polishes. A Tiga I wrote in that, it's like between a, a Biga and a Polish. So it's basically okay. like a 75%, 70% hydrated starter. Mm -hmm. So I like my starters. If I were to use starters in my dough, I like, it's, it's kind of funny. I, 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 I like to have a more hydrated starter. That's one thing. I like a little more acidity and you get that more from uh, a, a, a starter that's more wet or wetter, however you want to put it. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to starters and I use them, I like, I personally like that. Even though we do talk about bulk ferment came out better during the tests in, in the book. Actually, when we went out and we had all these people, I liked the starters better, but we wrote it on what, what came back on the test results when we actually mm -hmm. sent it out all these people and they liked, mm -hmm. they thought the bulk actually had a little bit more flavor. I still tend, I still use starters in all my recipes. I still use even in my, in my, um, in my restaurants, I use about 20% starter in my dough. There's one thing that I, I tend to go for. It was, it was in Vegas and we had a writer come in and he came in with this guy who was a, a pizza maker and he kind of came to me and he was leaving. And he's like, Hey, so I said, I hope you enjoyed everything. He's like, yeah, but you know, you know, this guy from California and you know, I, I, I tasted your starter a little bit, but you know, it just wasn't really strong. Like, you know, and I said, mm. How was the pizza? He's all, dude, the pizza was awesome, man. It's great. I said, do I want you to remember me for my pizza or do I want you to remember me for my starter? <laughs> He's looking the for high acidity. Said, he doesn't. Uh, and the, and the writer was like, well, <laughs> well, I mean, pizza, right? And I said, well, yeah. What do you think? I want you to leave here and just say he had a great starter. I can't wait to tell everybody. Or that place had freaking great pizza. That's what I want. So, oh, all right. So it's not about over complex doughs that are so complex it's just a tang in your mouth and that's all I taste. You need to have, it's always about balance. And, and when it comes to pizza or cooking in general, it's not about over complex ingredients and not over complex dough. It's always about that structured dough that supports your ingredients and every bite should take you through a journey. And when you bite into that pizza, you know there's complexity in the dough, but wow, this is amazing cheese. And there's that sweetness of the sauce with a little bit of acidity and that salt or that tang. So. When it comes to pizza cooking, it's always about balance. It's not. It's not like always about all the starters. So for me, I, I I don't. I tend not to over starter it. A lot of guys on the industry like like to say, "Hey, this is a hundred year old starter. What do you think of this pizza?" It's, it's almost like a baguette with fontina on it. Who cares? <laughs> I, I I really I'm not trying to achieve that because. I'm buying that really great cheese and I, I worked on that sauce and, and I'm using that sausage that I uh, ground and I made today. It's, 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 so when it comes to it, it's, it's for me, it's always about balance. Hmm. Let me ask you a personal question. Now I looked at the book and I said, I'm going to do a little bit of research here. And I, I, I counted, you have almost a hundred recipes, you know, between all the different styles of pizza you have specific mm -hmm. recipes uh, for different pizzas. If you were to have some friends and family over maybe like 12 people at your place, uh, what would be maybe two or three pizzas you'd pick 
to serve them that you really like? It's I know really you like them all. The Roman is great. The Roman's great because it's so communal. It's three pizzas in one. Uh, it's a pizza that's thin. It, it holds well. You know, you're drinking, you're having fun with guests. Mm-hmm. The Roman pizza is, is a great pizza. Detroit is hot right now. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I've been making Detroit's for the last, oh, since maybe nine years or so, maybe seven, eight years or so. And uh, I've even like, I'm working on a new Detroit kind of rollout in one of my restaurants. So I probably make the Detroit just because it's it's awesome. And then, you know, it depends on where I'm at. You know, do I have a wood-fired oven with me? Would I make a Neapolitan oven wood-fired? Or would I just go ahead and put the broiler method on and raise the rack up as high as I can and cook that pizza, you know, as quick as I can? So I love the Neapolitan section. Mm-hmm. You know, the Roman section, Detroit section, section is great. And then, um, you know. Grandma's Sicilian's also great too. So mm. I love pizza in general. So that's <laughs> no, I, I couldn't tell. Do you? Like, do you really? ask Tony, who's your favorite son? I'm like, I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, at least not now. I have to shut the door. And... Yeah, I won't say it on on, on your uh, podcast. <laughs> well, you know, the book is is amazing, and I'm gonna. Uh, I'm really. I want to put it up on my social, uh, if it's okay. It's just. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's just so amazing. Well, it's funny. We pulled more right now because of the shelter in place and everyone being oh, at yeah. home. I mean. Pizza cooking, cooking at home in general. I mean, you've probably seen it on social media. Everyone's showing their bread they made, their pizza they made. We're running out. I have a little shop called Giovanni's Specialties, and we sell flour nationwide. Mm-hmm. And, and we can't keep up with flour sales. It's like when you go to your supermarket, you're like, God, there's no all-purpose flour, and everyone's cooking at home. So it's funny. There's been a giant resurgence in, in that book. And it's been like I'm getting emails every day saying, Hey, I love your book. Uh, tell me about instant yeast. Can I use that instead of active dry? I know you love it. I said, yeah, you can use instant, blah, blah, blah. And then it's so funny. I get emails every day about the book and it's really hot right now. So it's great. So you have the, the company that uh, sells nationwide. So how would they, like if somebody wants to look to see what types of, yeah, it's you... called Giovanni specialties, okay. Giovanni Italian specialties okay. in San Francisco. We make raviolis there. We huh. uh, have saucer. We, we make fresh pasta for other restaurants and for my restaurants. And on that site, I have a lot of, you know, pizza flowers and different flowers mm. you can get. And right now, I mean, I mean, it's, you, my wife runs it and she can almost barely mm. keep up because everybody's getting Caputo double zero and nobody can find her. Chico Stagione flower, Jeez. my flower, uh, malt, you can get malt on there and people are trying to find low diastatic malt. So it's, um, I guess you could say my restaurants are taking a hit right now. A lot of them are, 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 are you know, in the weeds like a lot of other restaurants. But my mm. that store actually is, is busier um, mm. because it's like a little grocery store. Yeah, so you've got a lot of cool key ingredients, which uh, you don't have to go to Amazon for your book, do you? Can they get it through your store too? Yeah, you can get it through my store as well. Um, okay. Yeah, so yeah, you can do that. And some ingredients, not every ingredient, but we do have a lot. And flour has been a, been a number one end of the book, yeah. Well, one thing about the book, a last thing I'll say on that book is that on your book is that it is the I'm going to probably get about 10 of them. I know it's a lot, but as gifts, because I can think of three or four chefs I'd love to give to them because it'll really help them in their business and just how they even you know approach a lot of things, not just pizza. Uh, and also to uh, people at home that like to cook because they can they'll be able to understand it and it, it'll open a whole new world. It's just amazing. So oh, thank you I, very much. I try to make it user friendly, but uh, a lot of pros have that book too. So thank you. You know, there's one other book I want to quickly briefly touch on. And that is uh, one that I ordered that um, I haven't got it yet, but I wanted to read it before we spoke. And that is your children's book. 
You know, yeah. I want to write a book for my daughter for many years. I thought, ah, you know, I'd really love to write a children's book. And I never did. I took writing classes and, and I, I didn't go that way. But um, how, how was that? What motivated you, you to write that book? Well, you know, it's funny. It's a good question. I'm not sure what motivated me. I don't know. At the time, you know, we, we lost our child a couple times. And then we had my son Giovanni. It was our third try. So at that time, my, my wife could have been pregnant at that time. Um, I was with Chronicle Books. I wrote my first book with Diane Morgan called Pizza. And I had an idea of doing a children's book. I was just, here's, a, here's about a, a character, Toss and Tony, and he, <laughs> uh, he had a pizzeria, and there was a competition. And actually, at the time in that book, I wrote that book overnight, actually. People what? don't realize that. I wrote that book overnight, and it had a character in it named Hannah. And uh, Hannah actually won a pizza competition at Paisano's that I had. And she had Hannah's Hawaiian. I'll never forget it. We had it with Lindsay Olives. We had a pizza competition. Hmm. And it was a children's pizza competition. And we were judges. And it was really cool. I wrote this book. She won. I put her in, in as a character. And we went off looking for different pizza makers, uh, pizza acrobats. And we found Strong Sean and Famous Joe. And these are all real-life guys. Silly Siler from the South, Mighty Mike, and, and real guys, all acrobats. So at the end of this book, it kind of teaches, hey, you know, it goes to Italy, goes to the World Championships, there's Team Japan, there's Team Brazil, and, and it really teaches kids pizza, what it's like uh, in the U.S. and internationally, it teaches recipes, it teaches camaraderie, it, it teaches, uh, you know, it's not no racism, there's all these races, everyone's against each other, everyone's having a good time, and at the end... Silly Siler is on his unicycle. He's tossing pizzas. We make this pizza pyramid. <laughs> and at the end of this book, Siler falls off when I wrote it originally. And mm -hmm. Hannah climbs up to the top and completes the pyramid. So here was this book. It was, it, that's how it was written. I um, submitted it. And they kind of went back to me and said, we love it. We want to, we want to do it. But we don't think Hannah should be in it. And I said, well, she's kind of like the star. It's, it's a boy's book, but really but the star of it is, is Hannah. And she's, she's named Helpful Hannah because she helped us out and we won the championship. They said, well, don't you think it's weird uh, for a girl to be traveling with a bunch of guys? And I said, I don't know. It's a children's book. Kids. Well, you know, we look at it kind of differently. Hmm. So she got exited out of that book and it, it it sucked because I'm like, dude, that was like, it's a real story. There's a real Hannah. And like, you know, and, and I said, you know, what would they say now? You know, what would it be? Would it be different? Would they say, get her out or keep her in? That, that would be interesting to know. But she was taken out of that book. I wrote that book in about an overnight, probably, I would say maybe two nights if I really corrected it and sent it off. And of course it gets added in and, and stuff. But I, 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 I always thought, you know, having a children's book, I'm a big Marvel fan. I, I, I collect, I'm a big collector. I'm a, kind of a hoarder. I collect like everything. That's and, a Portuguese. Uh, that's a Portuguese. Is that what it is? <laughs> yep. My grandma. So I, I collect everything and I'm big in comics and always wanted to be an artist. And for me to be able to like say, hey, here's a real life, like almost superhero, you know, the, because people say, hey, this is Tossin' Tony, you know, meet a little girl, hey, you know, and then, I love Mighty Mike. Well, I talked to Mike the other day, actually, you know, like, it's almost like, wow, they could actually really meet these guys. That's kind of cool. And it's, it's making pizza fun. And um, so there's something I wanted to do. I was, I was big into 
comics, I, you know, and I, it was funny. It was hand in hand. I was one-on-one with, with the artists. Artists and writers don't get along. Uh, they hate each other. So uh, I, when it came to the artists, we had a couple that we loved. And there was another artist that wanted to make like famous Joe, like kind of, kind of different. And I said, no, Joe's, Joe is skinny from New York, has a big nose. I mean, you know, it, Joe has to look like this. Joe can't look like this. You know, he, he's <laughs> Italian. He's, he's tan. He's, he's famous Joe. He's Joe Carlucci. And then I would be in arguments saying, oh, well, you're not going to tell me how to draw. I said, well, if this is based on real characters, you can't make silly Siler not look like Siler because kids are the biggest critics and they're going to look at this and say, that's not Siler. And when they see him on YouTube and social media and stuff like that. So there was the time that I had to kind of get in and say, Hey, this, this is what we're going to do. And luckily I was able to actually talk and work with the artists that came to be on that book because uh, it was, it was important to be as real as it, as it really was. Tony and the pizza champions. Thanks. Yeah, it was great. Great little fun book. Amazing. So Tony, before we close, I wanted to ask you, how does someone get to your classes? Well, if you visit International School of Pizza, we're in San Francisco. Right now, we're kind of paying attention to health and health for my, not only my employees, but also for like the public coming in, you know, should we have international people come in? What's it going to be like? The guidelines right now, we're kind of waiting for on that. Just, just myself and Laura Meyer. But for more information, it's Laura at internationalschoolofpizza.com. That's okay. Laura, L-A-U-R-A at internationalschoolofpizza.com and you just go to internationalschoolofpizza.com just to visit. We do American and Italian courses. We do home chef courses on occasion, but we do a lot of professional certifications that we certify chefs or pizza makers or owners and operators in a five-day course. Hmm. So, Okay. That sounds uh, fantastic. I have two chefs that want to take the class. So, um, well, that's great. They can definitely email us. We have a pretty big waiting list right now because Um, but no, it's, it's definitely good to contact Laura because, uh, it's just, it's just important right now. It's weird right now. So everything's kind of mm, like definitely. who's traveling, who's not, when are we able to get somebody in? And it's just, it's, it's different because you get to actually work in the restaurant. So you're not just oh. at a school and it's five and six and, you know, students in front of me and we're taking mm-hmm. a class. No, you're going to get behind the lines that I just mentioned in this podcast. You're going to be making mm-hmm. Detroit's grandma Sicilians. You're going to be in the mix, uh, what three, four, three to four of those nights you're going to be actually making pizzas. So, so it's not just, you know, Hey, here's a book and take a test. It's a little bit more to that. So this school is a lot different than other schools because you're in a real restaurant and you're working a line next to pizza makers that have been making pizzas for 20 years, 30 years. So, Mm. so Tony, any uh, closing thoughts uh, you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I think the easiest way to look at me uh, for me is if you look at TonyGimignani.com, T-O-N-Y-G-E-M-I-G-N-A-N-I.com, you can see all my restaurants, all my social media handles. Uh, you can see everything. And if you go to that, you can see links to some of the companies that we support. Uh, it's a lot of things are on there, uh, a lot of fresh releases and things. So that's probably the best segue to kind of see what I'm doing. Um, but no, I just appreciate being on the show. I I love pizza. I don't think anybody loves more the pizza more than me. I don't think so. (laughs) uh, And I really think that, you know, there's a motto called respect the craft. That might be the title of the show. Respect the craft. And I, I read that again in the book, um, exactly how you feel about that. And it's, it's so true in, in everything you do in life, you know, so it's a great motto. Yeah, I think so. You know, in in Italy, the pizza is well-respected. 
when I won in Italy and you're going and you have your cup, did I check it in? Hell no. I brought that cup with me on, on the plane <laughs> and I let it pass through the metal detector and the, the security guys are looking at it and they're reading it. And they're looking, reading it. Oh, come on. You know, they'll come to you and they'll shake your hand. And, you know, the pizza maker is well respected in Italy. Oh, and man. It's like cheese makers. Uh, when you look at the, the artisan in that and farmers. So when it comes to in the U.S., you know, that, that term respect the craft, understanding it, understanding that, you know, when I was there in the year 2000 and I visited Naples and I had Neapolitan and here I was this guy in America that won a couple competitions and, and I was young and I thought I knew it all and I didn't try Neapolitan pizza. I didn't really try uh, pizza in the birthplace, you know, a pizza in, in Naples and, and having this pizza and watching that guy slap it out on marble and seeing that pizza cook. And, and come out so fast and they didn't cut it. And the guy's smoking a cigarette while he's making it. I mean, like, <laughs> you're like looking at this and, and you're looking down at it. And I'm like, here I am, this guy. And I don't know how to make this, you know, I, I, I know how to make all these other things, but I don't know how to make this. And, and was I trained wrong or, or was I just, was it just not right? And, and should have this have been first and, and it should have. So I had to re, uh, I had to I had to retrain myself in everything I did, and I and I learned the Neapolitan craft, and I really learned what really started it all. And and if it wasn't because of this, I really wouldn't be here now. So that term respect to craft came in 2000 when I was on my honeymoon with my wife on our way to Sorrento. We stopped off in Naples, and I had to try Neapolitan pizza. And when I did, I I, I figured out that I wasn't respecting the craft, and I needed to. Tony, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. It's this has got to be a pinnacle in my life to be able to talk to you. Um, it's well, I appreciate it. Well, thank you, thank you very much, and uh, be safe out there. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, and remember, we are available on your favorite directories: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on your social accounts. If you have any favorite topics or special guest requests, please let us know. You can find our contact information in the show notes and be sure to like, comment, and share the show with your friends. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.